Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler, Steve Russell, as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Hey, this is Steve Russell. Welcome to our show, Christian Living That Counts. We are renewed lives making a difference in a broken world. One of the things we do on this show is try to take a look at how Christians should utilize their resources. And that means everything from their money to their time and their passion and how much they should invest themselves in certain aspects of living. One of those is politics. It's very popular uh, the uh, times right now to be politically involved. Some people think it's a Christian duty. Some Christians, on the other hand, think it's a waste of time. I've got a guest coming on later in the show that I'll tell you about in a minute. But for right now, let's just review some ideas. You know, in, in the Old Testament of the Bible, the nation of Israel uh, made a number of mistakes. It, uh, first of all, found itself in captivity in Egypt. Then upon the exodus from Egypt, uh, under the leadership of Moses, the great lawgiver, uh, the nation was formed and, and, and took place. But over a period of time, as the children of Israel conquered and uh, overtook the promised land and settled there, they began to mix with, with other tribes and other peoples. And some of these peoples had kings. That was not unusual. And God had told the people that he never wanted them to have a king, but they insisted that they would want to be like other people. So God blessed or cursed, depending on how you look at it, uh, the people of Israel with a king. It lasted for a while. Of course, he ended up back in captivity. And later, as we move into the New Testament, we're under a, they're a captive people under Roman rule. But the question that we've always examined on this show is, not so much what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he were me? So what that means is we all know we're not messiahs. We all know that we're a part of, of, of the 21st century. None of us are Jesus. So we can't do exactly what he would do, but what would Jesus do if he were me? And that means that all of us who have jobs every day, we go to work, we have families, we have responsibilities, we need to make uh, payments on any number of things and, and keep our lives uh, together. Uh, we find it a little more difficult to find instruction from uh, the Bible, this 2,000-year-old book. What do we do? What, how, do we, how do we accept it into the modern era? What's a 21st century disciple to do when he looks to the Bible for advice about uh, in these different things? Particularly today, we want to look at political involvement. We live in a country here in America where we consider ourselves self-governed. At least we either live under some... Uh, measure of idea of that it is some people would say well we live under a delusion of that but we still have a voice to a point in our government and and how we um, how we elect our officials and our representatives to uh, take care of, of of the business of our our state and our nation our counties our municipalities our schools and different things so here we are uh, as a people with, with some voice in, in our government, and the question is how much voice, and, and how much does the, that voice really count in the long run? Do we really um, 
do we really see results that we would want to see as Christians in our world today? If we invest ourselves heavily in this and we find that uh, we're unsuccessful or that we've spent an enormous amount of emotional uh, capital as well as possibly money and time, what, what, how do we measure that? How do, how do we, uh, what do we see as a return on the investment of those things? So this is a question we want to examine today, and I'm excited to have a ghost, uh, guest coming to us. Not a ghost, but a guest. Uh, coming to us and he will be a person who's no stranger to internet radio and to being interviewed he's a friend for decades of a family um, of, of my family and this this person david simpson is state representative in texas currently serving district seven which um, is greg county and some of the surrounding area which encompasses longview texas uh, david uh, is a person that i want to interview for uh, three very important reasons. Number one, David's family has a heritage of using its resources for public service, and uh, this is something that is certainly admirable. Uh, the family is a uh, comes from oil and timber uh, in uh, deep east Texas in the Piney Woods, and so instead of just uh, seeking to grow richer and richer in their in the resources and enrich themselves, they David particularly has turned himself to a life of public service. So we're excited about uh, about interviewing him for that reason. Another one is his own personal Christian commitment and walk. Uh, David is a man who walks uh, walks the talk, and uh, we're very uh, very excited to hear from somebody who does that. I know from personal experience that David is not somebody who's making it up as he goes. Rather, he's living it and can tell uh, people about it because he's personally experienced in living what he believes. A third reason is is because David has been involved in grassroots politics. And what I mean by that is he's been everything from the mayor of a small town uh, in northeast Texas in Cass County near my home and uh, from that, he has known what it means to lose a, a race for a county position, county judge, which is the chief executive officer of a county in Texas, uh, primarily on party reasons and party lines. And then he's moved on to represent uh, District 7 in the Texas legislature and just finished up a 140-day session this past May 31st and is recuperating from that and is currently making plans uh, to advance his public service into a larger area for more people and run for the Texas Senate. If you took the population and geography of Texas and divided it 150 ways, uh, you'd have an idea of how our state representatives are, uh, are allocated. But in the Texas Senate, we only have 31 members, so obviously there, there's some um, larger allocation of the Senate base and David is wanting to expand himself uh, to serve Texas as a Northeast Texas, Texas uh, senator, which would be District 1, encompassing everything from Texarkana almost over to Paris, down as far as Tyler, and over as far as Longview and Marshall. So quite a, quite a geographical expansion for David. But um, uh, that, that background of being a small-town mayor, a mayor of less than... Uh, a town less than 500 people all the way up to a, a county uh, in Texas and now to serve several counties in the Texas legislature with the potential to be a Texas senator with election coming up in 2016. 
So again, David has a family heritage of personal public service. He is a, a Christian who walks his beliefs and lives them. And then last of all, he's got an enormous uh, bank of political experience at all levels. And I think he makes a great interview uh, as he uh, answers questions about some things about how Christians should be involved politically. So we're really looking forward to bringing him on here in just a few minutes. I want David to uh, work us through some some scriptures, you know, and in scriptures we're talked, uh, we're we're told to obey our leaders. We are told to pray for our leaders, um, but at the same time, when Jesus was referring to Herod, he did it with some disdain in his voice and uh, referred to him as a fox. And and uh, when he stood before Pilate, even in minutes and hours before his crucifixion, Jesus. Uh, told Pilate, you really, you have no authority, Pilate, over me except what's been given to you. And uh, so there's there's a need to update 21 centuries of, of biblical writing and biblical concepts. What do we do today? Personally, um, I think that one of the reasons the Bible instructs us to obey our, our leaders and to pray for them is because we want to live in peace. Christians are a peace-loving people, and not only does it provide us a, a good atmosphere in which to enjoy our families and to seek the good of those around us, but it also means that we have a chance to prosper in terms of our faith. We can share faith and uh, share it with our neighbors and, and freely do that with, with other people and in a peaceful environment. This is one of the things the Apostle Paul enjoyed so much, the peace of Rome. Uh, he was able to travel throughout the Roman Empire as a Roman citizen, and he enjoyed that peace that accompanied him. No less today we get to enjoy the peace of our country, and uh, so that's a, a very important concept to our obedience and our concern about our political environment. We want an environment of peace because under that our Christian faith can prosper. Another reason would question, and Jesus uh, addressed this when, when he was asked about rendering to Caesar, a very famous uh, uh, instance when Jesus got a coin and, and he was asked, uh, you know, should we pay, should we render to Caesar? And Jesus, lifting the coin, said, whose image is this? And, and of course, his famous quote is to render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And so, again, a little bit of a paradoxical statement with a tension in it. There certainly are things that we do as citizens of this world that we render obedience, we render allegiance, um, we render whatever Caesar requires so that if we do so, we enjoy once again that peace and that sustaining of our government. So there are a number of things that we want to want to take a look at but most importantly the most important question i want to pose to david today is to tell us uh, how much he thinks that a christian should invest of their resources their time their passions uh, their money um, in such a way that they apply those things politically and what type of, uh, re of return they can expect on that investment. We want to know what he has done personally and also what advice he would give to those of us who are not quite so directly involved in politics as David is, but um, uh, those of us who just simply vote and try to be informed voters 
and carry on the business of our nation uh, in self-government at the voting booth. So we'll look forward to bringing the Honorable David Simpson on, State Representative for District 7 in Texas, in just just a few minutes when we come back. Stay with us for David Simpson. We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts. Many Christians worry about how to share their faith. They even feel guilty about not sharing. Hi, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts on toginet.com. Christians sharing their faith feel awkward and bothersome sometimes. But my friend Bobby Bateman has a unique way to break the ice and open the door for a casual conversation. Join us soon for the interview with Bobby about his unique idea or learn more now at his website. It's personal to us.com. Once again, that website is it's personal to us.com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. Thanks for staying with us for State Representative David Simpson. David, you're on the line with us? I am, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, you're more than welcome. I understand that one of my colleagues, George Stevenson, here on TogiNet Radio, interviews you from time to time, so you won't be any stranger to Internet Radio, and I'm excited about having you with maybe a little bit different twist. I want to talk to you about your political background, but also about how your feelings run as a Christian involved in politics. Uh, I I talked to you earlier and said, tell us a little bit just about your family and the business you come from and the background, and and then we'll move on into your faith and your political arena. So so you want to start with my faith and... um, Your faith and your family. Faith and family. Well, uh, faith is really where it begins. Uh, God made me and, and everyone in his image free and responsible and but uh regrettably our forefather and we ourselves have sinned and uh, against him and broken his law and i am so thankful for a provision uh a remedy uh to sin and and that's the lord jesus christ and um, that's at the root of who i am by the grace of god and I'm so thankful my wife joins me in that faith. And um, I have a, a wife of almost 30 years, will be this Sunday. And we have seven children. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you. Uh, we have seven children. Most of them are grown. We have two of them at home still. And then we uh, have uh, two grandsons and one on the way. <laughs> so... Uh, that gives you a little bit of start of where we're coming from, uh, of faith and family. Well, I guess the noise level around the house grows with grandchildren, correct? Well, it does. Regrettably, mine are about uh, 800, 900 miles away in Montana, so we're very thankful for Skype and um, where we can see them that way, and uh, I sure miss them. But, but they're coming down here for, to Texas soon, and I look forward to spending some time with them. Very good. David, I told the folks before you came on by way of introducing you that I know personally that you you walk this walk, and this is not something you make up or uh, is certainly not something you're ashamed of, and you're certainly, you're willing to talk about uh, any time. 
uh, to, about your faith, and, and uh, that's something that's very credible. And, uh, of course, establishing that because your involvement in politics, some people think that everything is positioning. But I have assured the listeners that that's not so with you, that I know you personally, and, and I know your faith, and I, and I know how you live that. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you on for that reason. Talk a little bit about um, uh, your business background, David, because uh, obviously it's important to you that Texas is a, is a business-friendly state, and I know you've enjoyed some of that, and, and you've inherited some business as well as developed your own. So just tell people a little bit about that background as well, would you? Well, thank you. Um, it does actually grow out of my family. Uh, my family moved to Texas in the 1840s, and we settled in a little town called Avenger, uh, which is about halfway between uh, Texarkana and Tyler. And um, we were continuing a tradition of farming, but not just um, vegetables. We we're growing pine trees now. That's our primary operating business. Um, cultivating and planting pine timber and but we've been involved in uh, manufacture of chips of wallboard and paperboard uh, but we're we're we sold that business and we're primarily just investors in uh in oil and gas real estate and of course our, our timber operations i have a little book publishing company that's uh, more of a hobby than a business it's called Simpson Publishing, and I enjoy that as well. Very good. Very good. Well, what takes a man from successful business and a large family and, and tosses him into the political arena? Tell us how you, as a Christian, how you arrived at a decision to be as involved as you are in politics. Well, it really started uh, with the little town of Aventure, where my family's from, that I just spoke of, and got five generations buried there in front of me. Um, we, uh, the town was without a city councilman and couldn't find one and they appointed me and then the mayor resigned and I was appointed as mayor and I, I loved our little town. I knew my great uncle had served there as mayor and so I thought that would be a good opportunity to con continue that tradition. Uh, the town had been pretty much vacated and wasn't much left of it, but we, uh, worked together and we put in some sidewalks and street lights and uh, started a law enforcement department, enjoyed working uh, with people uh, from all walks of life uh, to, to breathe some new life into the city. Uh, it really wasn't through government, I, although it was a lot of private volunteer work. And Anyway, but what, along that process, I saw how intrusive the federal government was and how I couldn't pave a road or lay a water line without having to really deal with the federal government. And and at that point in time, I determined that if I might consider running for a higher office someday and uh, to try to limit governments to its proper role. Um, and I think that role is real simple, and that's to punish the wrongdoer who harms his neighbor. Otherwise, it's to leave us free and independent. Uh, uh, the most important government, self-government. Uh, and then I would say our family government and uh, and church government. And uh, usually when we use the, use the word government, we're only thinking of civil government. But it should be the least 
intrusive, and yet today uh, we've ceded so much of our personal responsibility, family responsibility, church responsibility, charity to the government. And uh, I would, my passion is to turn that around uh, and to leave people free and responsible. That's what's made our nation great, our state great. And uh, that's why I ran for the State House of Representatives uh, with that vision. And that's uh, the principles upon which I was elected. Well, I, and, you know, that, that's really rooted in the Bible. It's rooted in Romans 13, uh, uh, where God says there through the Apostle Paul that the uh, civil magistrate is to punish the wrongdoer and to commend those who do well. But it's not all wrongdoing. It's basically uh, the wrongdoing where you harm your neighbor. He summarizes the commandments, the second half of the table of the law, um, you know, do not murder and do not steal. Um, and even don't plan to do those things. Don't covet. He says, love does no harm to one's neighbor. And I think that's where the civil government is needed. It's uh, when to do justice. And if someone doesn't rectify their wrong to the neighbor, the, the state should be involved. And, of course, we can use the state to do things that... Uh, we want to do in common but that's the primary role is justice right right and as you say it, it from there it's kind of grown uh fingerlings into every aspect of our lives and that's where it becomes dangerous and uh, and i think that's part of your mission um is to see that that intrusiveness is not um does not continue that that's right and it you know it should protect uh, uh life if you don't have life, you can't have liberty of property. But I think that's the other things that you do is protect our, our liberty and our property. And I, besides that, it should just get out of the way. Right, right. Let's hold on that note right there, and uh, we'll come back in just a minute and, and do another segment with you. Thanks again so much. We're looking forward to it. Stay with us for David Simpson. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment with host Steve Russell. I want to tell you about the special underwriting sponsor of Christian Living That Counts. This is show host Steve Russell to introduce you to the Prefort family of Mount Pleasant, Texas. Prefort Manufacturing was founded by the late Marvin Prefort, a born inventor who moved his growing business to the heart of cattle country in Northeast Texas in 1962. Since then, Prefort Manufacturing has become the leader in the highest quality of farm, ranch, and rodeo equipment employing over 800 people and shipping their products worldwide. Bill Prefert, Marvin's son, assumed the leadership of the company in 1988 after the unexpected passing of his father, Marvin. Today, under their dad's watchful eye, the third generation of Bill's sons, Eddie, Nate, and Travis are carrying on the family tradition and business, including the Christian faith that they quickly credit with much of their success and growth. I'm proud to call the Preferts friends and appreciate their making the internet radio broadcast of Christian Living That Counts possible. Learn more about this dedicated Christian family and their outstanding business at Preferts.com. That's P-R-I-E-F-E-R-T.com. 
Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. Okay, listeners, welcome back. We're with State Representative David Simpson, Texas District 7, Longview, Greg County, and the surrounding area. And he's uh, about to elaborate to us when I, when I ask him the question here about the ordinary Christian. We've been uh, spending some time with, with, uh, with David, talking to him about his own personal commitment, but to let him be philosophical here for a minute, for someone who's not quite as involved in political things as he is, uh, and, and and matters like that. What just David the 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 average Christian, and I don't even mean average. I hate to use that word next to to Christian, but the Christian who's really wants to be a true apprentice of Jesus and a a, a true twenty first century disciple. What advice would you have for somebody in terms of balancing the investment of their time and their resources and their 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 passions, even their money? What what how would you advise a person to be involved politically and and say that's a that's a good role, short of running for office? I think the most fundamental thing is to pray for those who are in authority, um, and it talks about that in First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, 1 and 2, actually. Pray for kings and all those who are in authority that we might live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and sincerity. And So, you know, the role of, of the individual is critical, particularly as they live out their life of faith in their family and uh, in their church. And when you pray for someone, you learn about their concerns. You learn about their challenges. And you bring those to the throne of grace. And I, you know, one of the things that's fundamentally missing so much of political life um, is integrity. And I think integrity uh, starts with really the fear of God, and not so much avoiding his judgment, his frown, but desiring his smile and what pleases him. They go together. And the individual Christian is. Um, they seek to be faithful in their job and their relationship with their spouse and uh, leading their children, uh, they should recognize, you know, there's a place for the civil government and and to lead others, lead their church, lead their family, and to pray in private for those people. That's the most important thing, and uh, I'm a testimony to the fact that God can use little people, and I remind them that I stand on their shoulders. I'm so thankful for their prayers. Uh, Pray that they would know what is right, and uh, then not only that they would know what is right, but they would have the courage to do it. I think so much of our problems, many times it's not having wisdom, but it's a fearfulness that if you do this or that, you won't be reelected. Hmm. Instead of moving forward in faith, explaining it, and trusting that you'll be okay as you act upon righteous uh, and wise principles. Uh, other things you can do is just, I mean, to, to pray rightly, you got to get to know them. you got to know their name. you got to know what their office does. Um, in our church, we try normally to pray for one, two, or three elected officials at the local, state, and federal levels. And I try to do that with my family. 
And when you do that, um, you become more involved just like you do when you're praying for your children and praying for your neighbors. Uh, so that's where I start, and that would lead to other things. Well, that's a that's excellent advice. I mean, it's not just coming from you. If you've if you've quoted the scriptures behind it, uh, that's what we are told to do. And and I think uh, you you took it to a, to a different level when you talked to us about getting to know uh, the functions of government and what that person can do. Um, those those things uh, allow the prayer to be much more informed. Uh, and, yeah. and there's an exchange there going on in the prayer. Um, uh, you you feel uplifted. The people feel knowledgeable, and there's a synergy there with the power of God to to work in that environment. So I think that's a a, a different level of advice, and I'm I'm certainly going to take it. I, w- I want to take you to another question. Uh, you're you're about to seek the uh, a seat in the Texas Senate, and I introduced that in my first segment. And the first district here, which will be a, a, a much expanded role for you, several counties in northeast Texas and a larger population base. But uh, the man who came before you served uh, 12 years. Uh, he's a good man, a good businessman, uh, currently holding that, that office and a very honorable man. And uh, I, I know that he uh, disdains government debt and uh, any type of financial sleight of hand and shell games and um, he's a former mayor and a successful mayor of a very successful and thriving city here in Tyler. And um, I, I think we often ask ourselves when we as Christians, we vote for somebody in, in total confidence uh, that, that they are good people and we send a good person uh, to Austin or to Washington or to our city council or our school board. And then, and then, and then somehow or another, it, it doesn't come out that way. I, I know that that um, the state senator that whose office you you will seek next year, uh, he he lamented the fact that 12 years ago when he came into office, there seemed to be the very same problems uh, still plaguing after 12 years of work. Um, what what happens? What 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 seemingly renders uh, good representatives powerless? Uh, what, what happens down there sometimes that you think we, we can't seem to rid ourselves of problems? You, you already touched on one thing, and that is the fact that some people just simply won't rely on their own political capital, and they just don't have the courage. They're afraid they won't be reelected. But elaborate on that, if you would. What, what, what seems to take a, the, the, the good people we, we send down there and make them powerless? Well, I think uh, they all work together uh those things you've talked about, I, there's tremendous pressure when you get to Austin to just go along to get along. And, uh, you know, I'll vote for your bad bill if you vote for my bad bill. And, you know, you won't get a place on this or that committee unless you give up your principles. And I, this, when your first term, you establish whether you're really a politician or a statesman. If you're a politician, you end up being kind of like another profession that starts with a P, and you just (laughs) establish your price of what you can to be bought. Um, But if you're a statesman, and that's what I strive to be, uh, you establish the principles upon which uh, you work, and you work with anybody 
and everybody, regardless of labels or regardless of whether they were for or against your bill or, or their bill before them, uh, and you work together where you have common ground, and even where uh, you may not see eye to eye, but just a step in the right direction. Uh, and then you have to explain what you do. Uh, and I found in my second and third term that it was much easier when people realized that I was going to work based upon principle. And though I opposed them on one bill, and they may have been very upset, eventually they realized that where I stood, and they'd come to me where our principles aligned and we were able to work together. I think that's how the people wanted to work, but oftentimes that's there's such an idea that, well, if you don't please everyone, you're not going to get reelected. But what happens is you just you end up just being a part of the problem and not a part of the solution. And I do think it goes back to the people, especially in our form of government. If if they recognize your principles and they support them, um, then you're going to get reelected, even if they may differ with you on one or two items. But and the application of those principles, but if they're just wanting to stuff their own pockets, and you you know you give me pork for my business and my part of the state at the expense of others, at the expense of justice. then they're part of the problem, too. So it, it's twofold. Uh, the citizens that really, upon which our democratic republic are, is based, uh, they must be principled uh, and not just wanting a handout and the 51% taking from the 49 On the other end, but also the, the statesmen needs to remember to protect the, the rights of the minority. The minority doesn't have, deserve to have their, their life, liberty, or property taken away just because they're the minority. They need to have, those things should be protected. And thankfully, that's what we have as a constitutional form of government. And I am encouraged, uh, though it can be very depressing, uh, that we've made some small steps. I appreciate Senator Elty's stance to speak the truth about our debt and how it's nearly tripled uh, and has tripled. And we need to pay as we go and not put it on the backs of the coming generations. All right. And I, will, I want to follow him in that tradition. Good, uh, good. We're going we're gonna to let you elaborate on that when we come back. Folks, stay with us. We'll be back with David Simpson. We'll return in a moment for our final segment of Christian Living That Counts. Hey friends, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts. I want to introduce you to my friend David Taylor. He's celebrating his 35th anniversary as a financial advisor. David is a CPA and has recently written a book to answer the need of so many ladies who came to his office after the passing of their husbands. Often they knew nothing of their financial details or status. David's book is called The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. Be listening for my interview with David soon and learn how you can get your copy of The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. All 
We're back with State Representative David Simpson, Texas District 7. He had just brought up his um, uh, the current office holder, Senator Kevin Eltai from Tyler, and uh, he is desiring not to seek another term after 12 years of, of sacrificial service to this district. And uh, State Representative Simpson is seeking that office in the election of 2016, and I'm sure he will face the um, uh, primary elections and the entire political process on the way when an office is vacant and, and other people uh, want to, as we're seeing all over now with the presidential race, we're seeing so many people step forward. But um, uh, Representative Simpson, who I'm calling David because he's a personal friend, just just brought that up and, and had indicated uh, the political courage that Senator Eltaf uh, had uh, expressed and uh, David I'll let you go ahead and finish that that thought because he certainly did I remember one particular quote in the paper uh, when it, he announced his his uh, desire not to seek another term he said I'd rather look you in the face and tell you I'm going to uh, tax you than I would to uh, put off a, a debt and and see it come back to bite you and I'm I'm paraphrasing there but uh, I know that you share that and uh, tell me how much political courage it takes to uh, to uh, to to say to someone you know we might need a tax increase how does that how does that play? Well, I've uh, I have not uh, made a uh, an oath not to raise taxes, though I'm, I'm loath to do it, and uh, I would differ with the senator a little bit. I, I think what we should do is shrink uh, or at least hold steady our spending and indeed use you know, our, our taxes that we have to pay down our debt and to pay for pay as we go. Um, but there is a, there, you know, I, I want to do what's right, and that's why I didn't. Uh, Sign one of those commitments, promises never to to raise taxes. But I've never, uh, you know, sought to do that. And uh, but I think that what we need to do is shrink the role of government to a more proper and legitimate role, and then save what we're uh, bringing in to pay down that debt that we have tripled. Uh, and that does take some courage. It takes uh, one of the biggest lobbies is the government itself. Yeah. And once they get a bureaucracy established, uh, they want to maintain it and increase it and gain more uh, power. And so I, you know, one of the things I've admired about Senator Eltine is his independence uh, of labels and of even uh, office, just speaking the truth. Uh, wherever he went, and uh, I, I want to continue to do that and, and not fear. Uh, I think that's, going back to your earlier question, what keeps people from really representing the people and doing what's right? I think it's a, a desire to stay in office more than doing what's right. And uh, I think we should not fear not being reelected. Uh we should do what's right, explain it, and trust that God and the people will return you to that office if, if you're fit for it. And uh, that's what I've sought to do. Well, and I think you've done that well. You, you talked earlier about establishing uh, the statesmanship in the first term, which means you uh, let people around you, your colleagues, know 
how you're going to stand and where you're going to stand. And, uh, and when you become the lighthouse, then they can look back to you. Uh, if you're just one of those boats out there going with the current and the winds, uh, then they're not going to know uh, where you stand, how to come to you, and what, what they can count on you for. So um, uh, I think you, you made that point. Let me ask you another question. You, you kind of alluded to this as, as well. And um, I, I noticed that one summation of the, the, the session just passed was the lack of ethics reform. Is there anything you really think that either of the houses, both houses, or uh, could do to just in simple terms to, to make a significant difference in the way they uh, were viewed by the people, the transparency and so forth? Is there, is there something there that, that we're really missing out on as voters? Well, I do think uh, we made some real missteps there. We considered two ethics bills, and uh, one of them came out of the Senate uh, basically penalizing people who film or record um, legislators. And this was in response to a group that's been doing that down there, and I don't really know who they are. But what that did was really made a special political class for us legislators that uh, uh, we don't require of other people, and I think that's wrong. When it came over to the House, that bill, I think it's Senate Bill 19, uh, even became more egregious, and we we're going to make it a criminal activity for citizens or anybody else to uh, um, call our houses, our offices, our houses, residents with a computer, just like we do to them with robocalls during the election season. <laughs> that was going to be a, a misdemeanor, and that just was incredible to me. Then, in an effort to to solve a problem with the Travis County DA uh, dealing with public corruption um, that's presently controlled by Democrats, uh, I think we made a, a serious misstep. And we basically said you cannot, you know, prosecute uh, a legislator except in their home counties. And, you know, so if you commit perjury or conspiracy um, or other public corruption, uh, I, I have a special home field advantage now. And this bill did pass, and it was an effort to remove authority from the Travis County DA, which is presently controlled by Democrats. But in so doing, we just spread that problem all over the state. And so if a crime is committed in Dallas-Fort Worth, but if you're from East Texas, you're going to be tried in East Texas and not where the crime was committed. That's, that's if, very different than the common person. Yeah, that's if you're and a member I, of the legislature, right? That's right. Okay. Or working for the legislature. It's incredible. I can't believe we passed that bill. And um, I voted against it. But the main thing that we need is just transparency. Um, transparency, especially in the conference committee process, where we reconcile the House version of a bill with the Senate version, and that part is where all the dirty work occurs, and it usually occurs in private, and even though it's supposed to be done in public. Right, right. I understand. Well, um, let me ask you this, and and then we'll let you go if you'll if you'll promise to come back on a, on a later show. Um, sure. I, I 
what do you think? Uh, encourage the the Christian voter out there. Tell us a little bit one more time the empowerment you see there and and where you think they could get good sources of information and not just one-sided ones, but really, really learn about the issues and um, just kind of encourage us a little bit as, as Christians on that level of involvement. Well, I, when you know an election's coming up, uh, find out what offices are uh, up for be filled and who's running learn about them don't wait till the last week uh find a group that that uh you respect and uh try to learn from them as they evaluate the votes and actions of those people who are campaigning um i would listen to their speeches i would look at their votes uh i would uh do more preparation and and, uh, and do a lot of praying and studying. Uh, and you can go to their websites. Uh, mine is davidsimpson.com. Uh, and look at their values and, and then look at their record uh, and, and see if they align. Uh, I'm encouraged. We've had a few more people come. Uh, to the legislature that are willing to stand on principle, and it doesn't take a whole lot of people to, to shine a lot of light. And uh, if a room's filled with darkness, a, a candle, a flashlight can do a, a lot of wonders. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm personally encouraged by your reflections on that, and I appreciate them. I just want Christians uh, to... Um, to, to follow the, the biblical mandates that they have. And, and we, we've talked about uh, a little bit about what, not, not what, what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus do if he were me? And uh, yeah. we're going to pray for you, those of us who listen to this. Uh, I hope they'll take up that mantle of prayer for you. And we're going to close out now. And, uh, I've again, you've been very encouraging about our role. I want you to come back as the campaign develops and, and other insights, and we'll, we'll, we'll trust you for some uh, information as well. And we thank all the viewers for joining us and encourage you to visit davidsimpson.com and David's website, and we'll see you next time on Christian Living That Counts. Thanks for being with us. Steve Russell returns next week at the same time, discussing how renewed lives can make a difference in a broken world. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.